welcome to The Basement Astrologers, coming to you live from the middle of the Middle West in above average St. Paul, Minnesota. And we have a special guest right in the heart of the fantastic Midwest in Chicago, Illinois, as well as the beautiful Pacific Northwest in Puyallup, Washington. I'm Kip from Moon Media Astrology. With me is Meredith from Earthling Astrology. Hello. And the wonderful Diana Rose Harper from everywhere in the world. Uh-huh. Hi. <laughs> Say hi, Diana. Uh-huh. Uh, we'll have you, we'll have you uh, give your call letters later uh-huh. on. So Diana's back to talk some tarot. We're starting the first of a series, and we'll have Diana talk a little bit about how we organize that. But before we start, I am going to pick a card. Uh, now, for all you astrologers out there, it is June 14th, 2019, at 1010 a.m. Pacific Coast time. Yes, we are recording our second podcast today, right when Mars is opposite Saturn, and they're both conjunct the nodes. So we are really great astrologers. <laughs> One of the toughest, toughest uh, aspects of the year, and we're going uh, full on with it. Um, but uh, that's one. That's one omen. The second omen will be where we go with the cards. So I'm going to shuffle these. Okay, hold um, up. Is, what deck are you yeah. using? I, this I need is to the know. Brady Tarot okay. the deck that Diana so uh, wonderfully recommended to me. Perfect. Um, really good. I'm also, FYI, the Brady Tarot's first edition is almost sold out. So if you have been <gasps> thinking about buying it, you should buy it now because the second edition won't come with the really nice little bamboo box. Oh, it's really nice, really too. Good. We're um, not getting paid by Emmy Brady book. to talk about this. I was this. just going to ask Absolutely you. Absolutely <laughs> not. No, it's just such a wonderful deck. I can't even, like, it's so good. So I think everybody should have it. All right. So I'm really, really proud of Kip right now. Okay, this is so exciting. All right. So here I we should go. do I'm a drum roll. Cards. I know there's drums in here. I should do a drum roll <laughs> in the studio. And here we are. What is it? So I'm holding see. it up so people can see. There's so much on the cards. They're so gorgeous. Uh, that it might be hard. This is Breach, which is the seven of, I think that they're water. They're seven of horns, which is the equivalent of the seven of cups in a more traditional deck. So um, seven is the most magical number, as we all know from Harry Potter. Uh, Diana, can you tell us about the seven of cups? Yeah, so the seven of cups um, is when... It's a, it, I don't know. The sevens in tarot, generally speaking, are a little bit tricky um, because there's a ambiguity to whether they are good or bad. Um, but the seven of cups in particular carries with it this idea of choice and choosing and having to make a choice, potentially having decision fatigue. Um, there's uh, potentially too many good options or no good option. And then there's a doubt that comes with that of just like, well, which one do I do? I don't know which one to do. And what's funny is you always actually know which one to do. So it's a, there's a bit of an illusion as to whether or not you're going to make a good choice because whatever choice you make, it's going to be the right choice to a certain extent. It's the right one. Mm-hmm. Cool. No, I put, I put the card away, but what you see in these beautiful illustrations is like seven water horns are just overflowing. They've got too much. Mm-hmm. So uh, Emmy in her, infinite wisdom really pushes those themes. Mm-hmm. What we're going to do today, and I'm going to let Diana take over um, introducing uh, these suits, is we pulled a couple cards. What uh, the series of three podcasts is going to be is <clears throat> we're going to talk about two different 
uh, card modalities in each podcast, and then we're going to go through the major arcana. And the goal here is going to be to learn a little bit about the card, but also to relate those cards to astrology. And so Diana pulled some cards before the podcast, and what are the suits we're going to do? So we are going to be looking at Earth, which is pentacles, and water, which is cups or horns. So it's actually pretty cool that you pulled the seven of horns because that relates to one of the suits that we're going to be talking about today. And it's also relevant to the current astrological weather of the Cancer-Capricorn axis, um, where Cancer is related to water, Capricorn is related to Earth, right? Um, and so understanding kind of the... The polarity, that's not really a polarity, it's sort of there. Um, and the Mars-Saturn situation, whatever, it's relevant, it's good. <clears throat> and the nodes, and the, the nodes, nodes are in water and uh, and Earth for a long hit right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you pick which one to go with? And do, is it traditional to start with a low card and work to the high card? Well, I was, you know, I, we can go through the whole suits, like the whole suit from like one to one to king if you want. Um, or I was thinking we could even just talk about... Um, just have a conversation around the themes of like water and earth. And as we have those conversations, we can relate it to specific cards, right? Because part of this podcast, like me being here and talking about the devil's poker deck, right, is um, talking about how tarot and astrology correspond to each other. And I really like to talk about it, not just in terms of like the traditional, like one-to-one or somewhat one-to-one correspondences that come out of like Order the Golden Dawn and like early, I don't know, early tarot theory, we could say, Um, and instead think more about what does it mean to live through some of these themes in the same way that with astrology, it's like you can know all of the keywords, but if you don't actually pay attention to how it's like playing out in your life, like, are you doing astrology? I love it. Um, So are we going to go with cups or I don't know, or pentacles? Tell me right or left. Let's... uh, I'll do right. We're going to do earth first. <laughs> Yay. That's what I was going to pick. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, so, you know, earth, what the pentacle suit in tarot is really interesting because it's about material, right? And one of the things that mm-hmm. I think has been talked about off and on by a lot of folks, especially like I have observed like Austin, talk, Austin Coppin talking about this and Caitlin by, I don't know, association. Um, and, um, even just observing, um, there's something called the Black Witch University, um, and like observing some of the things that they've been like posting about. That the South Node is currently in Capricorn right now, um, and the South Node is the emptying place in a lot of ways. And mm-hmm. Pentacles in Tarot can be associated with the things that we inherit including like ancestral stuff, right? And so understanding like the, the the South Node as a gateway to that which has passed, a gateway to our ancestors, and it's happening in an earth sign. It's like really the embodied sensation of what's happening, um, what we've inherited and whether or not we actually want to keep carrying that forward. I think that's a pretty interesting thing to consider when it comes to earthy things. Um, but, you know, Kip and Meredith, both of you have, to a greater or lesser degree, been studying tarot. How do you guys feel about the pentacles? 
I have no opinion on the suits. I am not advanced yet. I have all these decks that don't use those, like angel decks and spirit mm. animal decks. So I haven't yet in my studies and practice gone with um, the four suits yet. So I'm excited for you to tell me more so I can get my first deck. Oh, interesting. Uh, Meredith, I've, wow, yes. this is news. I thought you already, whoa. What are you waiting for? No. What are you waiting for? I... Uh, a teacher. <laughs> I'm like, I think I told you last time I'm self-taught and I do like, I just picked up a new deck. I was just in Sedona, Arizona mm-hmm. and this um, deck called to me. It was a cosmic reading card deck. I'm like, well, I must have that because I'm the astrologer, but yeah, I'm, I'm not using the suits yet. I just do simple spreads. Um, everything else scares me right now. <laughs> oh, well, let's talk about why you're afraid of things because that's the other thing with the South Node and Saturn and Because I'm a Capricorn and I'm afraid of everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tarot is intimidating. I mean, it really is. I like um, astrology because it's numbers and science and logic and I can show people like this is what I'm looking at. And tarot is a little bit intimidating to me because I just have a picture and I have all this mythology and I'm like, this is my interpretation of this. I can show that to you. But what I get from the card or cards, a client or someone else can get a whole different, you know, story. But so that's, that's why I'm a little, like, that's why someone else is coming to you because they're interested in your interpretation. And this is true with astrology too, right? Where that's while true. They're, and wherever go ahead. it's like, you know, there is like deep, lots and lots of years of, um, like writing about astrology that helps us to understand how certain things interact with each other um, in a cosmic like sky dance kind of way. Um, but no matter what, like what the first things out of your mouth when you think about Saturn in the South Node are probably going to be different than the first things out of my mouth. And that's why somebody True. would go to you for your take versus me for my take, right? Because we can be talking about the exact same thing, but have a different way of saying it. And that's interpretation, Right. Same thing applies to tarot. Exactly. And I found that wherever you get your divination from, whether it's a psychic, a tarot reader, astrologer, Akashic record, it all lines up. It just comes through a little bit different interpretation. And I like the tarot for like a second opinion mm-hmm. <laughs> or even going to a psychic or an Akashic record reader. I'm like I'm struggling with like the seven of cups you said was a decision, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what decision to make. So I might ask three people with three different modalities, where do I go? And then I get my second and third opinion on how to make that decision. Right. And so what's interesting there, too, is even thinking about Capricorn as body and like that moment of embodiment um, where, you know, we think about like Jesus coming into the world in Capricorn season, for example. It's like the moment when the spirit becomes enfleshed. Right. And so the enfleshed part relates very directly to like the act of actually being earthy. Like if we think about the pentacles um, and like the ace of pentacles. Right, which like this depiction is really beautiful. This is the uh, pagan other worlds for people who are listening, and like I don't know, we may or may not actually put this on YouTube. Um, but look up the pagan other worlds Ace of Pentacles. It's really lush. Um, okay, and it carries this idea, like really carries this idea of planting, of being planted. Um, and once you have, you know, if we're thinking about the Ace through Ten. Once you have tended well to whatever it is that you've planted, right? So we have planting with the ace. We have a certain kind of uncertainty and like, are we balancing our efforts with the two? Um, we have the fact that there is a certain amount of collaboration required with the three of pentacles in order to grow anything worth growing. Um, we have awareness of what we have and kind of a tendency to 
overprotect potentially with the four of pentacles with the five of pentacles. Can I stop you for a second? Uh-huh. Um, are these numbers at all tied to the astrological houses? Um, no. No. Okay. Short answer Just is checking. no. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> then to keep going. So right with the five of pentacles, we have an awareness that even if we try to protect whatever it is that we have, we'll also still feel some like some experience of lack, right? And that that lack is actually an important part of then appreciating the six of pentacles, that which we are given and that's which we are able to give. Through that, we can also understand what is ours to tend well, right? With the seven. With the eight of pentacles, we have the even deeper appreciation of just making for making sake, right? Like instead of just being goal-oriented with our making, appreciating appreciating the process of making. Um, with the nine, we reap the benefits of having put in the work. And then with the 10, we've created something that we can share with others and that we can understand that we are part of a, like a line of inheriting and being in a position to allow others to inherit from us, right? But that's all starting with that moment of inspiriting that we get with the Ace of Pentacles, right? Like a seed that doesn't, a seed is static until it's put in the right environment to actually grow, right? And I think that's one of the lessons that Capricorn gives us, where it's just like you actually have to um, take a little bit of agency, like that's that cardinal part, right? You actually have to do something in order to grow, something. Um, and I kind of feel like I don't know where, why I started talking about this. Um, but I feel like it also, um, Oh, this is where I was going with this. Whenever we are in that position of like, well, what do we do? Like trying to make a choice, remembering that our bodies are part of our, um, knowledge system. That's something that the pentacles kind of reminds us of, of just like being a spirit in a body, like our body has an intelligence that can help instruct like whatever our spirit's path is. Cool. So when we're talking about the earth signs, we're talking about in astrology, Virgo, Taurus, Capricorn. Um, And I think, so also Virgo mutable, Taurus fixed, Capricorn cardinal. Mm -hmm. A lot of what you're talking about lends itself to the same analysis you, or I start with those signs. These are signs that hold things in their hands. They're interested in how things grow, how we how we can make them useful, making decisions that affect the real world around us. And they do it in their own way, or slowly, um, wanting that satisfaction and the comfort. Um, Virgo, um, analyzing, figuring out um, the good stuff from the bad stuff. And Capricorn, <clears throat> really wanting the boundaries and wanting to put something together that will last a long time and also be productive. <clears throat> do these themes, I mean, do you see those themes reflect in one card or another? Absolutely. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, and it changes a bit too, right? So like, it's not directly a one-to-one, but like the five of pentacles, for example, I feel like carries the anxiety that we associate with Virgo, right? Of just like, is this going to be enough? Is this going to be good enough? What happens if I fuck up, right? Like that's that's some Five of Pentacles stuff. We get some Taurus, like Taurian, like, no, this is exactly what I need and fuck you with the Four of Pentacles, right? It's just like, I don't really feel like sharing. I have what's mine. 
please stop telling me to like go outside. Like I'm comfortable here. Right. Um, and then we also get kind of some of the good sides of that too. Right. Where, um, like even thinking about like, is this enough getting like with the five of pentacles? Virgo can also see like where things are out of balance and what it means to refine balance, which would be a two of pentacles kind of situation. Um, you know, the nine of pentacles, I definitely would associate more with Taurus, where it's just kind of basking in whatever has been accumulated. Um, the Morgan Greer tarot, for example, has the nine of pentacles depicted alongside the queen of Sheba, just being like all luxurious. <laughs> um and that orientation towards being able to have a legacy is really held with the Ten of Pentacles. Like that's that Capricorn, like I'm going to make something that is so good that people remember that I made it even though I died 200 years ago. <laughs> so. <clears throat> so do you notice, I know you use these in your practice mm -hmm. and you, you pair astrology to tarot in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Do you, when you pull cards, I know there's a whole spread. Do you notice um, similarities between um, major themes in people's birth charts. So let's say you have someone that's super earthy or super like tons of Capricorn, tons of Virgo. Does that is that reflected in the spread generally? Um, it depends like, on what the person is coming to me for. So like frequently people are coming to me because they're in a transition point. They're trying to make some choices. And so um, oftentimes what will actually come up will be the opposite of what is in their chart. Like it'll be the balancing Thing that will come up. So if somebody's coming to me and they're like super earthy um, and they're super like kind of in a stagnant place, it won't necessarily be water that comes up. It'll be fire, right? Like this, like actually you need to get moving. Like there's wands involved of just like, why aren't you motivated? <laughs> like, why aren't you actually doing the thing? Like what is, what is keeping you stuck? Right. Um, or, and like, this is coming up a lot for me personally, as somebody that has a lot of things in Capricorn, and so very much experiencing like the tension of especially having the North Node in Cancer, um, like less, I feel like the Mars in Cancer has been less of a challenge for me than I anticipated. Um, but like being drawn towards cupsy things, like feelingsy things of just like, yeah, you can put a seed in the ground, but if you don't water it, you're not going to get much. <laughs> right. And sometimes watering means crying and crying is okay. I have to point out, by the way, besides uh, us astrologers choosing to record these podcasts during this opposition, uh, it is hitting um, Diana in her first and seventh house, and it's basically right on top of Meredith's son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're doing we're doing a great job with our tracking our transits yeah, here. Yeah, that's good. Um, so let's okay. I, I come to you, um, and the you're you're doing a spread, and the first thing you see is pentacles. Mm -hmm. And you don't, let's say that you don't know a number. What's your first impression that, um, of what's going on with that person? That, that it's um, something manifest that's mm. really happening to them right now? I mean, or is it something that's planted that needs to It grow? really depends on the question. So, like, this is the thing with, I think, both, like, astrological, like, aspects and with tarot. Um, like, especially like the way that I do tarot, I have a conversation with someone before we're even pulling cards, right? Like, I want to know what's happening for them. I want to help them, like, identify the, the question that's underneath their question, 
right? Or their questions. Um, like this past, was it just last weekend? Yeah, last weekend, I was reading uh, for the Mystic Soul Project, um, the Mystic Soul Conference. And like having people come to me, it's like we're doing 15-minute sessions. And, you know, one in particular is just really standing out to me. This person came to me and they had questions about four, like four or five different areas of their life. And we only had 15 minutes. So I just asked them to describe those five different things. And by describing those five different things, I could be like, okay, so this core thing, this is the actual question. We're going to answer this question. It's going to be relevant to those five things, right? And this is happening before we've even pulled cards. So I don't really use cards too much as a diagnostic. The diagnostic and the like identifying what we need to like address happens in conversation beforehand. So. <clears throat> By the way, unless someone's coming to you and has never had an astrology reading before and you're breaking down their birth chart for the first time, that's really in a lot of ways how you should be doing astrology mm -hmm. too. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what do you actually like? Cause we could talk about literally anything, like anything. What do you actually need help with? Right. Yeah. That, um, I was listening to uh, Jessica Lignato talk about when people first came into her office as a young astrologer, she would just spend two hours just, blowing their their hair mm -hmm. back to just go through their chart and say everything yeah. and she realized shortly after you know that process like six months of doing that to people that she was just blowing their doors off and they walked out of there with their head you know hanging yeah. like full of helium hanging from a string they weren't getting anything right. from it uh and that really that realization was probably the cornerstone of her practice understanding what she's there is to serve people mm -hmm. and give people something that they can um, take away and make their lives better, something, not just to show some, up. Something tangible, right? So like Jessica is a Capricorn. Yeah. And so okay. like right now I'm holding up the King of Pentacles, which is a lot about understanding like what is the, what's the material reality that you're working with and how are you, are you wielding it well? Are you managing it in such a way that it is useful to the structures of not just yourself personally, but also the world around you? And I think that Jessica does a good job with that. But you have to have that like Knight of Pentacles moment of just being like, no, all the stuff is really cool. Um, before you can really be discerning about which stuff is relevant. Okay. Uh, so when I think we brought up the three signs yeah. that are Earth signs, and, and those relate to three planets. So we have Mercury with Virgo, mm -hmm. we have Saturn with Capricorn, and we have Venus with Taurus. Mm -hmm. Do those relate the pentacle signs like yeah. how, how how is there an interplay yeah. between the planets and the sun and the cards so um i mean just like immediately like thinking about so one i associate all of the pages with the fool so the pages end up kind of standing outside and inside simultaneously and they're just like learning stuff right but what's the page, the page is the youngest of the four court cards right um the youngest or like the most in development would be another way of putting it too. Um, I'm currently writing like a big thing on the court cards. So I'm just like lay in here. Um, but even just describing like, okay, so Mercury, Virgo, we have the Knight of Pentacles, which is about moving forward in a like very clear cut way, right? The movement component is really important for the Knights. Um, we have Venus in Taurus, which like the Queen of Pentacles, especially oh, in this geez. depiction, it's just like so <laughs> Venus in Taurus, like you can't even, like it's so luscious, right? And like the Queen 
the queen of pentacles is like i have enough and i will share it's beautiful and wonderful like please come hang out in my rose garden right a really earthy card too mm-hmm. she had the horns and yeah like, and just looking lush yeah i mean the pagan other worlds is just like generally super earthy but um yeah i mean just like she has an antelope on her head like what is that right whatever <laughs> um and then we have um the king of pentacles which definitely has like that Saturn vibe. It's like that very much the, like the masculine Saturn, like the daddy who's just like, these are the rules. And if you follow the rules, you'll be duly rewarded. Right. Um, so like, that's like, I feel like, again, I don't, I have a resistance to hermetic order of the golden dawn correspondence structures for a variety of reasons. So I actually don't know if, that is a direct correlation that has historical correspondence uh, precedence. Um, what about for you? I mean, do uh, those uh, Taurus and the Queen? I mean, obvious resonance. Yeah, I feel like this is when I think about all of the when I'm thinking through like all of the cards. Like, there's a little bit maybe of Taurus stuff happening with the Queen of Wands, but not really. And we're not going to talk about the she looks comfy. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So Meredith, what do you think of pentacles? How did that influence the way you use the cards? Well, I guess if I go back to the earth signs, I think of Taurus as like the builder mm-hmm. of the Zodiac and Virgo of being of service and then Capricorn achievement. Uh, just to pick out three basic keywords for these signs, do you think pentacles represent those mm. adjectives I just pulled out? Yeah, building, um, building for sure. Okay. Service, or we can pick another word for Virgo. Uh, um, being of service, in service, or even maybe health. I don't know. I like the term mentor for Virgo too. Mentor, okay. Attending is one of the words that I think about with Virgo. Oh which um, like attending to um, which I think like encapsulates like that service, the mentor um, like those questions are like those keywords. So yeah. Yeah. Like to attend to um, and to like attend to in um, like a, like in a way that has real results. Right. It's not just like, being up in the clouds thinking about attending to it's actually doing the tending. Okay. Right. Um, you're not just reflecting on it. You're actually interacting. Yeah. And then achievement. Yeah, totally. Like, especially in terms of tangible achievements where you can like either actually touch what you've achieved, or you can like clearly pinpoint what you've achieved, um, in a way that's, uh, relatively concrete. Yeah, absolutely. One more question, since I um, associate Taurus and Capricorn with maybe money, mm-hmm. <laughs> making money, and maybe not so much Virgo. I'm not sure what you guys think about that. But are pentacles associated with money at all? Absolutely. I mean, one of the other words okay. for pentacles is coins. Like there are decks and diamonds, right? Yeah. Well, um, I don't do I don't do it, like regular playing card cardomancy, but yes okay yes i think diamonds do correspond with pentacles i'm not sure don't quote me on yeah, that yeah i just looked it up i just looked it up they yeah. do um okay so i mean wh- I, that's my other question is the money um unless you guys think virgo 
I mean, has money ties. I guess I don't go there. Like they're but literally more Taurus and literally coins, right? Right. Um, <laughs> and like when you think about Mercury, Mercury as uh, of the marketplace, right? The merchant in a lot okay. of ways, the barterer. Um, where like the fine analysis that Virgo can carry and like the precision that Virgo can carry is actually really necessary for a good business practice. So true, right? It's like, what's more Virgo than a really well put together spreadsheet? Yeah, I don't feel like you can have the Capricorn achievement without mm-hmm. a lot of Virgo. Yeah. <laughs> well, and knowing the good from the bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I think a shopkeeper is such a, that's why Mercury is so happy in Virgo. Um, not only does Virgo mind the P's and Q's and understand how much profit they need to make and, and what's going on with the books, uh, but the stuff they put out is the good stuff. You know, not necessarily the most expensive stuff. We're not talking Taurus here or the most luxurious, um, but you get value uh, for what you pay for. Right? Uh-huh. That's definitely how I think about Virgo. Um, also as a worker bee. So when you think of Virgo, I don't know that people necessarily think of Virgo as someone who um, is a billionaire, you know, although recently the internet has rewarded those Virgoan traits more than other times. Mm -hmm. That's a discussion for another time, but um, you never think of Virgo as a sign that's not taking care of business. Um, So at least self-sustaining, I think is a great term for Virgo. That's awesome. Is there other things you really want to hammer home? about pentacles otherwise we can move to water um let's see i don't think so i mean you know i think the one thing that um i have found really useful for to remember when it comes to pentacles is the embodiment component of it right and just that um like going beyond so pentacles are very very often just directly associated with like wealth and money and physical resources and things like that but um remembering that our physical resources aren't just money right? Like our physical resources are all is also our body, like our body is our first physical resource that is our physical resource until we die. Um, And so remembering that and tending to that is really important. Yeah, it's like nurturing and also nourishment, nurturing, nourishment, strengthening, right? Like when we talk about building, like, what does it mean to build the kind of strength that is available to you given the body and like context that you are inside of, right? Um, what does it mean to like recognize limits, right? That's a very Saturn thing. When we think about Capricorn and Saturn, it's like the limits of the physical realm, right? Whereas like maybe Saturn and Aquarius is more like the limits of the intellectual or like the limits of the thought realm. Um, And so really being aware of those limits, doing what you can to stretch them, make them bigger if you can. Um, But also reality is reality. (laughs) So, yeah. The boundaries of the future. All right. Um, So on to cups. Yeah. So cups, water signs, right? So we got Scorpio, Cancer, Pisces happening here. Um, Very similar signs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. For, For me, the water signs are as divergent as I can always find a common thread with the earth signs, but trying to explain to someone how Scorpio and Pisces um, are like intimately related. It's like, well, they both feel things. Uh (laughs) (laughs) They both feel things and they both are apt to a certain kind of feeling based extreme, right? Where if we think about Scorpio is like 
Scorpio has an ability to really drill down deep. And Pisces has the ability to really get super, like, breadthed. Like, that's not a word, but, like, really broad with how it's feeling, right? Where um, That's great. Like, uh, my comparison yeah. is that they're both of the ocean, whereas Pisces is the mm-hmm. broad waters and you're floating on top. And Scorpio is the deepest, most dense spot that if you're not adapted to being there, you will be crushed. But if you're adapted to being there, it's the only the place abyss. you can really thrive. You, you need that intensity. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. The abysmal, but not in terms of like, this is horrible, but in terms of like, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's where you swim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's interesting is that, um, you know, the cups, the cups carry both joy and grief, right? In the same way that like these water signs carry both joy and grief. Um. Oh man, How, what do we even say about the cups? Let's go through them again. I really like that last yeah? one. Yeah. All right. So, mm-hmm. starting even just like you got to remember how nascent. My <laughs> well, everybody should join my Patreon because I talk about a lot of different tarot things on my Patreon, um, and we'll give you details at the end. But you know, so the Ace of Cups, like this is the um, honestly one way. One interesting thing to even think about is. Um, the this is like totally I'm like taking this on a different track I apologize but really quickly thinking about the um thinking about the angles in a natal chart right where like to a certain degree the ascendant like I often will describe the ascendant to people as like it's the shower of the amniotic fluid that is flavored by the sign that is currently on the eastern horizon and it's a shower that mean like that you can't ever wash off but that facilitates your movement in the world kind of like a weird, like cosmic lube. Right. Um, <laughs> and I feel like the ACE of cups sort of carries that where it's just like the bringing forth um, in a watery way, in a fluid way of whatever is coming to be. Right. It's like an origin point um, that has, <sighs> I don't know. Anything that you can relate to. Like a baptism? Sort of, yeah, thank you. It's like a baptism to a certain degree or like a like a, a, a space and time where baptism is possible because there's actually enough liquid, like there's that. enough flow um, for there to be enough to wash over, right? Um, anyway, ascend it. <laughs> um Oh man, how do I even want to run through this? Okay, so then we have the two of cups, right? Mm-hmm. Which um, is kind of the joining together where it's like the ascendant or the ascendant, I'm calling it the ascendant now. The ace of cups <laughs> um, is like that first flush into life. The two of cups is where you join with something else and just like understanding that union is part of that existing. The three of cups extends the sphere of that union right? Where it's also about community and it's also about being together in like a celebratory fashion. Um, the four of cups is sort of an introvert card where it's like, maybe it's time for you to be alone. And also maybe it's time for you to pay attention to whether, um, you are receiving everything that's available to be received. Five of cups is the spilled milk card, right? And, um, you know, I say spilled milk glibly and, there are often situations that are very extreme spilled milk. So it's not that you shouldn't be crying about it. 
it's that there also needs to be an acknowledgement that it's not actually the end of the world. Right. And sometimes it's really hard. Right. It was just like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And the world is still existing. Like that's a cognitive dissonance. How Piscean is that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So like the milk spilled, but if you would have drank it, it was poisoned or it was rotten or something. And you're not seeing that side of Potentially, it. Potentially. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, that can be part of it. It's also, um, I mean, that kind of comes a little bit later, I would say. I think the eight of cups maybe carries that a little bit more than the five. Um, you know, but with the five of cups, there is this uh, there is this sorrow that what you thought was good is not good or that what you thought was yours has been lost. So is it like victim mentality card? Um, like, woe is me? Not necessarily. Again, it depends a lot. Okay. And I like, I don't like... Like the cards are also multifaceted where it's just like if the right. five of cups is coming up for someone repeatedly in a situation where they're refusing to say step into the agency that's provided to them through like a knight's, like a knight card or, um, you know, it's a five of cups and it's coming alongside like the star, especially if the star is reversed, where it's just like you keep leaking out all of your hope. Right. Like, so maybe the five of cups, we can think of that as like a south node um, transit to our sun. Right. Where it just like we feel like there's so much leaking out that's actually really important for us. Um, and purging. yeah, there's a purging there's a purging happening okay. that we don't we didn't okay. we don't feel like we signed up for. <laughs> uh, I see. It's like okay. a maybe potentially non-consensual purgation. Um, that can feel like you're getting victimized, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are inside of only a victim mentality. Okay. Right? Um, I like that. And then after the five of cups, like after we've had some moment to just kind of like be salty and grieve, we also get nostalgia, right? So the six of cups is called a nostalgia That's card. a great water term. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what, a wanderer term? This water term? Nostalgic? Nostalgia, yeah, totally. So this would be like Pisces on a really dreamy situation or cancer thinking about how great their kids' childhoods are about to be, right? Like preemptive nostalgia also kind of comes with the six of cups. Or cancer crying because the song they danced to at prom came on the radio. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I would say like whenever we're talking about like the dark light component, like Scorpio can have a tendency to be more in this just like that was so good and I'm so sad about it. Whereas like a Pisces, especially a Pisces with like a really like a Jupiter and Pisces person be like, that was so great. I'm really happy. I have that memory. And that's a little bit more six of cups, right? Oh, yeah. nice. Um, and then from the six of cups, we go into the seven of cups, which is what we pulled for the beginning of the episode, which is this sensation that there's so many things. Right. And some of these things are deceptions. Understanding that feelings aren't facts is part of the seven of cups. Right. Is there a skull on there? Yeah. So we have like a little oh. like this particular one has like a little like skull guy who is like pointing a sword. It's like, like angel devil on your shoulder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we this is much scarier than the Brady tarot version. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, because it's one of those things whenever we're thinking about like the, um, like the spiritual development process, right? 
like temptations along the path are part of the path, right? Like honing discernment about what is really good for you to do is part of the path, right? So discernment could be one of those challenges, is one of the challenges whenever we think about the water signs, where it's like, is this worth going really deep with? Is this worth completely investing in the way that Scorpio wants to completely invest in something? Is this worth protecting? Is this safe to have inside of my bubble, which would be like a cancer consideration? Um, is this real? Would be like a Piscean question. Like, I, you know, one of the things that gets talked about sometimes is people with Pisces placements being able to drink like fish, right? Just like alcohol, 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 and they seem totally fine. They're actually like totally happy about it. Um, <laughs> and so the seven of cups is being like, you can't drink from all the cups. You have to just choose one. <laughs> right. Um, and being able to trust that the one that you choose is the right one, not having like that uh, regret or uncertainty necessarily about which one you chose. But whenever you choose something, that's when we get into the eight of cups. Right. Well, so getting back mm -hmm. to this and because we, we talked about this earlier. So, when you first explained it, I was thinking, well, that sounds like Libra, right? Indecisiveness. Mm. But it sounds like you're not describing Libra figuring out which way they want to go and, and liking both options and struggling to pick or Virgo saying, well, I have assessed both of these options and I have decided that this is the best one. It sounds like you're saying in a much more watery way, oh, all these might feel good. And I want to make sure that that I'm I'm emotionally nourished by my choice. Right. Or and, and just the struggle of choosing the you know the way it the feels. way the yeah, the emotional the, the emotional attachment to a particular outcome could be a factor. Or um, the fear of being harmed, right? So it's not even about whether or not it feels good, it's the fact that there is a feeling component to it. Right? It's not rational trying to choose, it's not um, what do I want to achieve trying to choose. Um, it's like, what does my heart want? And am I actually listening well to it? Follow your intuition. Like, that's all water, too. Mm -hmm. um, trust trust the intuition. Yeah, it's like the, the things that contribute to our decision making that aren't so easily delineated by things mm -hmm. like facts and figures. What are those things? <laughs> <laughs> They're real. They're important. They're just like oh, harder totally. to word. Um. But then there's like the feeling of like, I made a choice and by making that choice, I have not made all of those other choices. And that's where we get to the eight of cups, right? Where like the eight of cups comes in a couple of different ways where it's just like seeing what you didn't choose and being like, oh shucks, but I have to keep going. It's also, I chose something, I achieved it, but it doesn't feel the way that I anticipated. So this would be like the perils of only choosing based on facts figures or achievement narratives whenever you actually achieve the thing do you feel the way that you actually wanted like anticipated feeling did it actually make you happy do you even know what happiness is for you right and that's the water question like this is where cancer comes into the capricorn cancer axis or where taurus comes in in the scorpio taurus axis or where pisces comes in in the virgo pisces axis where it's just like does it feel the way that the earth sign maybe was oriented towards feeling. Is there a little portion of karma in this one, in the eight? Uh, um, the idea of, of you've, you've got there and you're kind of uh, dealing with 
the results of the decisions and actions you've taken. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't use the word karma to it. personally, but it is the like it's the emotional consequences of your choices, right? And like it sounds like the Saturnian version of karma. Yeah, it's like, like balancing balancing your anticipated feeling with actual feeling, and also recognizing whether you even accounted for feelings whenever you were making a choice. I like that. Um, but what's interesting is like from that eight of cups of just being like, oh man, that wasn't quite what I wanted it to be. Or like, oh shucks, I have to leave behind these like, you know, by choosing to go through this door, these other doors have to close, right? Um, that's when we get to the wish card, also known as the nine of cups, Ooh. right? And what's really interesting, like I really like this particular depiction of it because it's related to the story of the fisherman or the farmer and the frog, right? where I'll just tell the story. Um, you know, yeah. so one day a farmer was out fishing on his pond and a frog jumped into his boat and spoke to him. And the frog was like, I'm going to give you three wishes. What do you want? And the farmer's like, this is great. I need a new roof. Like the thatching on my hut is like not great. Um, my cows run dry and we really need milk because we sell cheese at the market. And um, my wife needs a new dress. Right? And so the frog's like, cool, great, you got it, ribbit, ribbit, jumps out of the boat, fisherman, farmer, man, whatever, doesn't really matter what his role is. He goes home. His house has a great new roof, right? His cow is like overflowing with milk. 